Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Petropolis, here with the only two twins that have been jet-setting around the country the last two weeks. What's good, guys? Setting on jets and jetting on sets. These guys have been to San Francisco. Exactly. These guys went to San Francisco with me. If you follow us on IG, by the way, at Tim Petrop, at Jason Petrop, at Michael Petrop, cheap plugs, Mike underscore Petrop, sorry, cheap plugs, uh, at Brodo Fantasy. You know what I'm saying? Got cheap plugs in there. But they went to San Francisco with me. And then they went up to upstate New York, which today I learned that people from upstate New York don't like it called upstate New York. They don't they like call that. Dude, downstate, oh, and it's so weird. Someone said downstate. I was like, you watch your mouth. No, like, no. <laughs> it's, we it's, are it's New, New York. York it's right? New York City. It's uh, <laughs> You're upstate. We're New York. Get it right. And you'll be in San Diego tomorrow, right? You guys are leaving tomorrow. Visiting yeah, tomorrow our night. one of our closest childhood pals. Max, who does the Oddly Relatable podcast. Shout out to the nice Oddly Relatable. There. Yeah. You know, we didn't even get paid for that. You know, we're just out here spreading the love. <laughs> Speaking of which, Scott Fish spread his love on us later in the show. Don't forget to stick around to check out that interview. It was really fun. Scott Fish, great fantasy, fo- yeah, fantasy football analyst, great guy, great yeah. dude. Had a great time talking to him. Had a, had an even uh, had a good conversation with him off the air. Like the, the guy's a good dude. So check him out. Uh, today we have a very special episode for you. It is good twin, bad twin. <laughs> One of the twins is gonna take. The good side of a player, and one of the twins is gonna take the bad side of a player, and then I'm gonna kind of be the referee in the middle and pick which one I like better. Yeah. So, uh, let's get started. What do you guys say? Let's do it. The Proto Fantasy Football Podcast begins now. So if you're going to pick the winner every time and you're going to pick the person you like more, then Michael's never going to win. So this is a problem. Oh, snap. Do well, we have to go over the postseason bets say, again? Michael, <laughs> Michael does <laughs> have a track record of winning bets on <laughs> Listen, that's why I tried to sneak something in here, all right? Let me get something, Literally gosh. Literally almost 100% oh, on All right, so we're going to cover some news uh, throughout the episode, but I'm going to hop into news right now because, Tim, this goes to you and bets. The first bet we made this season for the next season. So the first bet we made for the 2019 season had to do with someone named Jordy Nelson. Uh, what was it? What was the bet? Uh, me and Michael bet with you. You said, that said he'd he be a top be a, forty receiver. Yep. We said he would not be, and he will now be on his couch on Sunday. Well, this doesn't count though. It does. Of we'll, course, we'll take it does. the W. No, nah, no, it doesn't. You got to take retirement into it. No, 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 no. I, I, I wonder if there was a provision that if he stays in the Raiders, there must have been. But he was still released, so he retired because he was released. Right, right? but as a Raider, if he was released, we ha- would have won the bet. Had he stayed a Raider. Had he stayed a raid? He <laughs> <laughs> was originally called Hater Aid. <laughs> Maybe you guys wouldn't be sipping on the Hater Aid right now. No, there's no way he would have been a top four receiver. Enough about Jordy Nelson. He's gone. He's done, though. All right. Well, Jordy Nelson retired. By the way, Jordy Nelson, one of the best fantasy receivers that we've seen on this side of the Mississippi. He was one of definitely most, on our rosters for some championships a few one years One of the most sure. underrated receivers in the century, might I add. Yeah, just underrated. Uh, in general, uh, underrated fantasy, underrated just overall. Uh, Jordy Nelson, great career. Um, we'll talk about the other guy to retire in just a second. But first, let's get to some other news updates. John Lynch says Jarek McKinnon will be a 49er next season and that he will have a role in the backfield. Don't forget they added Tevin Coleman, which we kind of put the nail in the coffin in Jarek McKinnon right there. We're just like RIP. Now they have three guys that they're, they're definitely going to get in the rotation. And if you... Talk Mostert about Mostert, yeah, he he can also be in the rotation. So now you have four guys that basically do the same thing in a Kyle Shanahan-based system. What do you guys see as the fantasy outlook for the 49er backfield next year? I, I feel mean, like this 
might end up being a Earth, Wind, and Fire type situation. Throwback to Brandon Jacobs, Derek Ward, and Ahmad Bradshaw for the Giants, where it's just the three guys. And you never know who's going to really produce that day. Kyle Shanahan has already shown that he's happy using two uh, backs and almost even split with Freeman and Coleman. And yeah, they were both very valuable fancy wise but if there's three backs sharing work i don't know how that's gonna work out i don't see how any of them really garner more than flex value unless it's a tremendous matchup it's just it's gonna have to play itself out but they're all very risky picks at this point in the season right now the guy i'm going for if you're doing a best ball draft uh, right now or if you want to take one of them in dynasty i mean it has to be tevin coleman yeah he got the he got the he, money he was with kyle shanahan kyle shanahan had mckinnon and brita still wanted to bring him in you could say that he got the money but mckinnon also has the money he does. But McKinnon was on the roster, and Shanahan went out and got his guy. It's true. He but might, he might want Coleman to play the same role as he did in Atlanta then. The issue here really is Matt Breida. Here's what I th- here's what I think. I think Matt Breida proved two things last year. The first thing he proved is that he's a quality NFL running back and that anytime he's in the game, he can produce. He also proved that he's too small to last an entire season as a main back. And I, I mean, I, the dude wouldn't stay hurt, though. But he, was he, like a, he tried his best. <laughs> Like, look, no one's calling him... He was like him, an alchemist of healing, though. He was right. really good. Yeah, no one's calling him, a, like, a pansy. You know, he, he wants to be out there. He just... His body isn't big enough. The dude's 5'8". Like, he's small. And he's getting hit by these giant linebackers. He's gonna be hurt. It's just natural. He's a, he's a human being. Right? So, with your, if you're Shanahan, now you're adding two backs who do the exact same thing Brita does. McKinnon does the exact same thing. Tevin Coleman does the exact same thing. Even Mustard does the exact same thing. Shanahan has a style. So I think that if it was if he went out and signed Chris Ivory, who just got released, that would be a different situation because now you're like, all right, he's gonna split carries because Ivory does something different. You got four guys that do the exact same thing, and I think that's what we're talking about. We're talking about an earth, wind, fire, and whatever whatever fourth element we could think. And gas. <laughs> Speaking of gas. Is gas an element? Did, did no one just... Plasma. Yeah, I, just I, fart I ignored the Fart joke, joke yeah. went down. Honestly, fart jokes are my most hated joke. <laughs> what? You don't like fart jokes? No. I've always hated fart yeah. jokes. Really? So played out. That's because yeah. you guys are bougie. <laughs> you're non-loving fart jokes. All right. Well, I, I guess that's, a, uh, that's on bougie. the checklist now. I'm down with a fart joke anytime. I could pop one out at any time. Boom, boom. Shh. All right, <laughs> let's go on to the second right. piece of news. So Jared Cook says that he is going to sign with the Saints. Still hasn't signed on the dotted line, which is a little weird. Um, it is a little bit past that. You know, there was breaking news, and it's not done yet. So Jared Cook still says he's signing with the Saints, but New England has shown interest. Do you think it's a good move for Jared Cook to stay committed to the Saints rather than signing with the Patriots? What do you think, Jay? Uh, just in a personal Jared Cook perspective? If yeah. he wants to win a championship. Then in a fantasy perspective, this is a fantasy show. Okay, fantasy. Save it for the Dr. Phil podcast with the, with the personal <laughs> I thought you were asking about Jared Cook. Like, <laughs> how's it make you feel in your heart layer, Jason? What do, what do you think about the schools in New England? In Jared's <laughs> shoes. Uh, I mean, I think I'd prefer him go to... So, this is a tough for me because it goes against everything that I said with true throw values. Uh, Brotoff.com, cheap plug. Where Drew Brees was better than... Uh, Tom, Tom Brady. Brady last year, a lot better. Yeah. So targets from Drew Brees meant a lot more than Tom Brady. The thing I think is, though, that with Tom Brady, Cook will see more targets. Someone has to replace Gronk, you you would think. And if they don't draft Fant or Hawkinson or someone, then Jared Cook, if they get him, would be their tight end and would get a lot of burn. I just 
when was the last time there was a good tight end with Drew Brees? Like Jimmy Graham, but then he flamed out. But they haven't had a talented tight end of Cook's level since then. I mean, it's now they haven't. Dude, Jared Cook was very good last who, season. Cody Fleener? Like, who have they had like that has talent I mean, this, in that position? This hurts my soul is for Dan Arnold, <laughs> who showed some flashes. I like but, yeah. but, I mean, Jared Cook is better than Dan Arnold. Like, Jared Cook is a very good So you're drafting tight end. Cook higher if he's on the Patriots or Saints? Oh, no, it's tremendous landing spot either way. But he's likely to sign with the Saints at this way. point. So it, if he's on the Saints, I'd be super hyped to get him as my uh, tight end. I wouldn't pay up for him because I never pay up for tight ends. But if I could get him in, like, the ninth, tenth round and I don't have a tight end yet. You no. pay up for Ertz. I pay up for, oh, yeah, stupid me. I always pay up for Ertz because always. I love Ertz. Yeah, you love I Ertz. don't pay up for other tight ends. I just <laughs> have a love for Zach Kelsey Ertz, and that's where it ends. Yeah. Um, Kittle, of course, too. Jason, we Jason's didn't have to pay up for him last year. Cha-ching. I bet you, Jason. I had Kittle on all my teams. I'm not exaggerating. No, yeah. Jason was no, no, not not to like pat you on the back too hard because I don't want to get your bougie head all uh, dude aired up and everything. But guys, Jason from this time last year, I've been talking about George Kittle. He told you in your drafts, don't draft a tight end. Get George Kittle. Start him from week one. Whoever listened to him, say it, Jason. I mean, Kittle, S- say it. Say you won their leagues. You're welcome. Jason with George Kittle is me or Robert Woods. If you listen to those two picks. George Kittle was my breakout player last season at the end of the year when we did awards. Yeah. Killed it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Falcons closing in on a a $20 million a year for Julio. Julio. Extension. Good move or bad move? That's Julio. Great move. That was a stupid question. Um, And finally, let's get to the big story of the week. Rob Gronkowski, the fantasy maven himself, the person who redefined the tight end position in fantasy football, uh, has officially retired, stepping away from the game right before his 30th birthday. I wish I could retire at 30. I'm 30 right now. Right. Imagine you were able to retire right now. Damn. With millions? The happiness your life would have. (laughs) I know, right? I would immediately jet set. (laughs) Yeah, but I'd go everywhere. I would also just like do this all day. Just podcast all day. Oh, I thought I thought you meant rubbing your beard because you're currently rubbing your beard. I, I am rubbing. I I, I, just, I just shaved off my chin hair, so it's, I'm super. But then you guys, you guys see what Drew Rosenhaus said. Yeah, <laughs> it I was like if Gronk gets a call from Tom Brady saying I need you, he might come back and just play for a few games. <laughs> like that, that's why. All right, so let's let's look at it from a fantasy perspective. Then, if you are, are a dynasty owner and you have Rob Gronkowski. Is this Me the time Jason. to just let him fly, or would you hold on to him in the chance that he returns week? 14, 15, 16 next yeah, year. Yeah, I think it depends how deep your rosters are. Uh, if there's someone out there that you want, I'd be okay with him. Because even if he comes back, how productive is he going to be off the street? Uh, and how much are you going to trust him? Because it's going to be late in the season when he comes back. If you don't need to pick someone up and you have Gronk on your team, and I want to just release him for nothing. You might as well yeah. have him there until you have to drop him. Yeah. True. Honestly, though, the Pats are going to need to get some pass-catching help. All he got is Edelman right now. And, not, and not Dorsett. Good. Oh, uh, Dorsett. James White? James White. But come on. You know what I mean, though. You they'll know probably I mean, make, they'll make their moves. They'll make, Malcolm Mitchell retired. Sad story on that end. Yeah. Ten knee surgeries from Malcolm Mitchell in his career. Ten. It's insane. Ten. See, Doug Baldwin just had his third surgery of the offseason as well, or of the season, of the year. How, how does that affect your guys' outlook on Doug Baldwin next season? Uh, I mean, I don't see it myself drafting Doug Baldwin. He had a resurgence at the end of the year last year. It depends where like his back, ADP's hip, at. and something else surgery. Like it's a whole lot of surgeries, and it's not like he's he's a young buck anymore either. Yeah, that's true. And Tyler Lockett is one of the favorite targets now. 
Not for, for Russell me. Wilson. As long as Brian Schottenheimer's there, I'm never drafting a Seattle wide receiver. Well, I had Tyler Lockett last year, and it worked out just fine for me. Uh, that's it for the news segment. Now we're going to get into the segment everyone was waiting for. Actually, you guys didn't know it was coming, so I don't know if you were waiting for it. But <laughs> said we were going to do it. I'm talking about like previous to th- this show. Well, they've been waiting for however long. This Twelve minutes or so. Twelve minutes and ten oh, seconds. Yo, there you oh, go. It. Nice. You can't even see that. That's well done. Good, good work. Yo, guys, <laughs> let me tell you something a little bit behind the curtain of the brotherhood here. When we go out to dinner, we we're actually brothers, you know, because like some people are first time listeners and you call us a true. brotherhood. It sounds like we're starting a cult. <laughs> brother. Um, well, yeah, we actually are brothers. We are three brothers. I'm the oldest of four. Michael and Jason are the youngest. Uh, Michael's two minutes older than Jason. Three, you fucking terrible brother. Yo, I really think. Every time. Yo, I really think that you guys have a conspiracy against every me time. that every time I say three, you say two. And every time I say two, you say three. Uh-huh. With your trash memory, I'm sure that's true. <laughs> I do have a really bad memory, but I, it's because I, it's so much of it is taken for. How much of that Tim forgot how this conversation started? What were you gonna say? <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say that Michael, every time he gets oh, the check, there you go, always guesses it like almost a spot on correctly because <laughs> we play a game, and yeah, a little a little preview into the brotherhood another preview into the brotherhood is that when michael and jason were young they would get into fist fights all the time and they always would, would they would always <laughs> fight always sometimes because me and my brother johnny would just be like yo guys fight and they'd be like all right and they would fight <laughs> but that's how they got so tough but also they're about to have a good old-fashioned fight right now we're about to play good twin bad twin and the point of this just some man meat throw up your dukes brother <laughs> what does he say in the office about the man meat it's for dinner right <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what I'm talking about? No. Oh, come on. It's married meat. It's, yeah, it's you, what's for if dinner. If you quote the office one more time. Jeez. <laughs> I'm going to find the lake later. It's what's for dinner. Anyway, so we got 10 guys. All right? And what we're going to do is we're going to do a good twin, bad twin. One of the twins is going to present a scenario where their season can go horribly wrong. One, uh, the other twin is going to present a scenario where their season can go incredibly right. Well, I mean, you don't have to put You're it. You're being extreme. That extreme of a spectrum. Basically, yeah. better than or worse than their ADP. There you go. Right. <laughs> if you do better than your ADP, you had an incredible season. Incredibly wrong is harsh. Incre- All right, fine. Incredibly well, wrong is harsh. You're right. You're I mean, right. if you're drafted as a 100th fancy player and you had that to the 98th fancy player, you didn't have an incredible All season. Right, you nitpicker. Uh, we're just speaking facts here, child. Nitty nits nits. Such a nitpicker. All right. So Let's start. Let's start this off, and just so you guys know, because the twins are very prideful about their prediction, so we wanted to, we want to point this out. Um, I presented the ten players, and then they had to pick a side on them. So either way, like this is not necessarily their outlooks for the season going forward. It's all numbers. Playing a little it's devil's just, advocate, right? It's a little devil's advocate. If they were assigned the good one, they had to find the good numbers. If they were assigned the bad one, even if they feel like. The opposite. All right. So let's start with Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry is someone that Michael has been very outspoken against the last couple of years. Um, but Michael has chosen to be the bad twin today. You Jason. But, as but yeah. opposite. <laughs> You're right. Scratch that. And Michael has chosen to be the bad twin today. Yeah. Um, Michael, why don't you present your case against Derrick Henry to start? Gentlemen of the jury. In one time, Derrick Henry has lived up to his ADP. I rest my case. I mean, no, it's not I know we want to, to keep Derrick them short and sweet, but, but yo, every offseason, the Derrick Henry hype train <laughs> goes off the rails, and everyone's like, yeah, go grab Derrick Henry until he's going somehow like the end of the second round or in the third round of your drafts. His rookie year, he ended with 600 yards and five touchdowns. It's okay for a rookie, but like people were drafting him as if he was going to be a lead back. 
Then last in 2017, he didn't even reach 900 yards. He had six touchdowns. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty blah, like less than 906, especially when he's not involved in the passing game. And then last season, we all know what happened. He went absolutely berserk in the second half. He was the number one overall fantasy player in the second half. But the whole season, he had 15 receptions for 99 yards. We see what's going on with the early down backs. They're getting closer and closer to extinction every year, a la Jordan Howard. He doesn't. The Bears don't even want him anymore. And I know the Titans are improving their O-line. I know they they said they want to give Derrick Henry the ball more and all of that. But this is a guy who's underwhelmed every single time he's been given the opportunity. And he's he's always drafted at his ceiling rather than including the the risk that comes along with him. Mwah! Ah, 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 Derrick Henry, you've been cursed by the bad twin. Jason, can you save him? Angel, good twin. Let's Jeez. not do this for the 10th. <laughs> yeah, so let's start with the obvious. Derrick Henry scored 112 points in his final four games. Yep. 112 <laughs> points. Gentlemen of the jury, you I know, rest my case. You know what's crazy, man? <laughs> I had him in the game right before that, and then I was like, yeah, I don't need Derrick Henry anymore. I'll just drop him. Even if you look past that, he scored double digits in seven of his last nine games. He was good for the second half, even though he was insane at the end. He was good. For the second half. And he averaged almost two targets a game. He was seeing a few targets at the end of the season. So that's always a positive. He ended up 15 receptions. You know what I'm going you know to rest my case on here? Arthur Smith. That's right. The name no one knows. The new offensive coordinator. I was going to say, for the Titans. Let me tell you his job history. His first job was quality defense coach. This is how you win a, an argument. For right the here. Redskins. Then he interned when at When has Ole the Miss. Redskins defense ever been quality? Leave me alone. It's <laughs> not the argument I'm making. Next, he interned at Ole Miss as a defensive assistant. Then he became a defensive quality control coach for the Titans. This guy's telling us about his internships. Jason really went into, after the, that, into the vault here. <laughs> after that, he became an offensive line and tight end coach for the Titans. I did all this on Wikipedia. And then he became Jason. the assistant tight ends coach. And then he became the tight ends coach. Now he's the offensive coordinator. Let me ask you something. Of all the jobs he had... Does any of that sound to you like he's going to run a pass-first offense? No. Does it sound to you that he's going to run a ground-and-pound old-style ground Bears 85 brother. offense? Uh, Use the tight ends to block. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't scream either. You know, when he you was a defensive coach, an offensive line coach, and a tight end coach. When you study defenses, you know that blocking the pass is more important than stopping the run. Actually, Bill Belichick, one of the reasons why he's such an offensive mastermind is because he was a defensive coordinator for so long. Well, I'm going to say that Arthur Smith, Mr. Unknown Hire that moved up through the ranks in Tennessee, you're going to feed Derrick Henry the ball. And Derrick Henry will do well with it. Because all he needs is t- touches. Reasonable. All right. So I must decide now. Do I go with the good twin or the bad twin? I think my tiebreaker is the fact that Deion Lewis lost a lot of work last year. And I think that the, the offense is now transitioning. We let, let us not forget that Derrick Henry is still a young player. Last year was his third season. Um, and people tend to break out in their third seasons. When he got the ball, he was good. I'm going to go with the good twin on this one, man. I, I think that Derrick Henry, although he is being overrated, let's not – sometimes we confuse that in draft season when someone is being overrated to – He's not going to be good. No, I think that he's being drafted too high, but I still think he's going to be a quality RB2 for you. And I think that uh, he's going to be a good player to own. So I guess I side with Jason on the first one. Michael, you're not used to losing Six these things. Um, let's go over to the second one. I could have predicted the angel on this one. Juju Smith-Schuster. Juju I won't Smith. even... If you are a fan of the Brodo Fantasy Podcast and this is not your first time listening, you know that Michael Petropoulos on my right right here 
I'm going to say his full name, Michael Christopher Petropoulos. Yeah. He has been staking his reputation on the fact that he believes Juju Smith-Schuster is capable of 1,600 yards and 10 touchdowns this season. He is the good twin. Michael, explain to us why you love Juju so much. So, Antonio Brown is gone, as we all know. Uh, During his time in Pittsburgh, since 2013, A.B. has been a top-five wide receiver every single season. I mean, yeah, a top-five wide receiver, including multiple wide receiver one overall finishes. Uh... He's gone. During that time, he averaged 15, 24 yards and over 11 touchdowns a year. Juju is going to step into the wide receiver one role now. He's He was a 22-year-old sophomore last season, and he put up 1,400 yards and seven touchdowns. In his rookie season, where he didn't start playing until like week four or five, really, he had 900 yards and seven touchdowns. They just they brought in Dante Moncrief to help extend the field a bit on the outside. Juju is pr- more than likely going to have to stay in the slot. But I don't think it changed anything because Juju is going to have to be fed the ball nonstop. It's not like they have James Washington, people think, might take a step up this season. But I, I'm a big the, James Washington guy. The Dante Moncrief signing might have to push that down a little bit. Yeah, I think him and Moncrief, Washington and Moncrief, will probably be on the outside of Juju in the slot. Yeah, but Juju is literally doing unprecedented things for players his age at the wide receiver position. He's an absolutely freak athlete, and I just... I believe with Antonio Brown gone, he's he could easily average 100 yards a game and reach the 1600. One thing that people need to remember is that despite the fact that Antonio Brown is gone, Le'Veon Bell is gone, some people that did not leave from the Steelers is the offensive line. This offensive line has been playing together forever, and they return and, and they return the players that they go and Big Ben. Like can't forget about Big Ben, but he's I don't know. Big Ben's been rubbing me the wrong way lately with all the, with all the people coming out against him, but. Uh-huh. He's still a good fantasy player, and that offensive line will keep him upright, and that will allow him to deliver the ball um, in clean pockets like he has been doing for the past few years. So it cannot be understated how good the Pittsburgh offensive line is. The number one rated offensive line on PFF last year, and they're returning all their starters. Your Honor. Um, Bad twin. Take it away. Do you have the right to support the good side in this situation? Do I have the right? Do you have the right? Yes. (laughs) I don't know. You're being a biased judge. You're supporting the good side before you even hear the bad. No, I'm just telling you the truth. All right, so let me let me go. Ben Roethlisberger in 2018 had 5,129 passing yards and 34 touchdowns. In the three seasons before that, he averaged 4,002 yards and 26 touchdowns. 1,100 less yards and eight less touchdowns. Are we going to trust <clears throat> all very similar seasons? So we're going to trust the outlier from last season or we're going to trust the three seasons before I'm trusting the three seasons before. So I'm going to assume he's going to fall back to those numbers. That's a difference of 77 fantasy points. That's 77 less fantasy points that Antonio, that Ben Roethlisberger has to go around. Now let's add that AB is gone. Juju was never a top target for defenses to stop. You could even argue that while being the second wide receiver option, he was even behind James Conner in pecking orders. And, 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 and two one. years ago, definitely behind Le'Veon. And now he's the number one wide receiver. That jumps ahead of James Conner. That jumps ahead of everyone on the team. He is the guy that defenses are going to want to stop. Who's going to take uh, focus away from him? Dante Moncrief? Vance Refrigeration McDonald? The office. That's for you. James Washington? Ryan Switzer? No. These are, these are, these are decent players. You don't, know, you don't know about James Washington. Also... Yet. 
Juju saw 166 targets last season. It's a lot. Antonio Brown's target average over the last three seasons is 162 targets. So how many more targets can Juju possibly see? So if he's seeing around the top of his targets already, and if Ben Roethlisberger had mostly an outlier season last year, and now he's going to have tougher competition to go up against, it's reasonable to believe that Juju is not going to... Has reached the ceiling. Yes. Hmm. In his, in his rookie season, uh, that was really the only time A.B. didn't play in week 6 and 17, he put up 75 in a touchdown and then 143 in a touchdown with 15 total receptions in those two games. Obviously, it's week 16 and 17. Uh, week 16 probably mattered. I, I don't know if week 17 really mattered for them in, back in 2017, but I, I think he'll be able to step up to the plate. It's an interesting – I'm going to go with a hung jury here. I think I'm somewhere in between. I don't think he's going to be. I don't think he's going to be as crazy as you say, Michael. But I don't think he's reached his ceiling yet, Jason. I think he has the potential to be a wide receiver one. But I wouldn't reach for him. The he first was round. a wide receiver, receiver, receiver one. one, and I think he has the potential to be a wide receiver one again. Yeah, he he already reached that potential. He gonna be a top five. Just here. pick a side. Nah, nah, hung jury. One guy I might pick a side on. I don't know. <laughs> James White is our next guy. Look, Rob Gronkowski has retired. There is no passing options. In New England, James White seems to be the number one pass catcher in New England at the moment, outside of Julian Edelman, who really doesn't do anything in the regular season anyway. Um, James White, let's start with the good twin. Let's start with Jason. Let's do it. So I was going to go back and compare James White with and without Gronk. Um, Chris Raybon of ESPN already did that. So you know what? Sometimes we have ideas and we look on Twitter and they're already there. And it's like, you know what? You saved me some time and work but i'm a little thanks bud i'm a little salty but then you, so, <laughs> yeah, you uh shout him out there you go there's the respect exactly, right yeah. there so with and without gronk since 2015 uh his targets went from five and a half to six and a half his receptions went from four to five his yards went from 34 to 45 his receiving touchdowns went from 0.3 to 0.43 his ppr points per game went from 11 to 14 his standard points per game went from seven to nine and that jump from seven to nine makes him a viable flex play in standard leagues when he's typically only been a PPR play. And he had at least 11 points in every game up until week nine. After that, people say he fell off. He still had at least eight points in three of the remaining six games. So really, eight points. that's not something that's going to kill you. If you have him in your flex spot, maybe RB2, eight points isn't going to lose you your week. You're going to be upset about it, but it's something that's not going to kill you. So three games last season, he scored below eight points. Most of the time, he was scoring double digits. Gronk is now gone. And Brady's not getting any younger, right? Tom Brady needs is going to keep throwing checkdowns. That's what he's doing more and more lately. His arm's not getting any younger. It's not getting any stronger. And Julian Edelman's injury prone, which opens the door even more for James White if Edelman gets injured. Do you rest your case? I rest my case. <laughs> uh, <coughs> bad twin. Michael, more, uh, 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 let them know what James White futures holds. I call ADP to the stand. <laughs> Look, James White in 2016 had an ADP of 125, the 45th running back off the board. In 2017, he had an ADP of 104, 40th running back off the board. In 2018, 117, 44th running back off the board. So basically the same 40 to 45, 100 to 125 range all three of those seasons. In... 2016, he he caught 60 balls, had 550 receptions and five touchdowns. Wasn't a factor really running, 166 yards. 2017, he had 429 uh, receiving yards on 56 receptions and three touchdowns. 171 rushing yards, that's it. 
So he he dropped off a little bit there. And in 2018, we all know what happened. He blew his ADP out of the water. 751 receiving yards and 87 receptions, 7 TDs, also 425 rushing yards and 5 rushing touchdowns. So not where you were expecting from James White, and then he, but he tore it up. These are tremendous numbers. However, it was also a result of great fortune for James White because Rex Burkhead and Sonny Michelle were quite often injured throughout the season. They even had to turn to Cordero Patterson to be a running back at one point because they didn't want to give James White all the rushes. That's not his game. Uh, from the start of the season to week nine, White averaged 13 touches a game and was clearly an RB1. He was one of the best fantasy running backs in the league. From week 10 on, when Burkhead and Michelle were healthy again, White averaged less than nine touches a game, and he only scored two touchdowns the remainder of the year. He had 10 touchdowns in the first nine weeks, and then he only had two in the final six. Now he's being drafted as a 27th running back. He's being ranked as a 27th running back within the top 70 picks. There goes all the risk. Like, when you were drafting you the value? White, there goes all the value, yeah. When you were drafting White the last three years, there was no risk because it was yeah. in the t- Round he, 10. he was out of the one hundred, the top Nine. 100 picks. That's where you try to make some value picks there. <clears throat> now when you draft James White, you're picking him in like the fifth, sixth round. You're, again, picking someone who you're betting on their ceiling rather than their regression or what you expect from a player like James White. So James White, I, I don't think his... Uh, his risk is being, I think it's being overlooked. If you draft James White, expect bad games. I think it's, if you haven't realized the trend in New England yet, then it's time to start realizing it. They change their game plan depending on who they play. So there's no one player that is guaranteed to get a workload. Um, but there is games where it's obvious that James White will get a workload and he will succeed in those obvious James White games. And I think that's the difference. That's why I'd stay away from his MVP. So I guess I'm siding with Michael on this one. So oh, we got we got a tie. To be honest, uno, uno, uno. this was one of those uh, ones that I wanted to side with the other side when I was writing it. No, we're not supposed to do that. Jesus. Why? No, I'm just playing. All right. Let's go with Amari Nooper. I mean, Cooper. He is the brand new uh, Amari Cooper. I'm never going to stop. Right. Ain't stopping. Won't stop. Can't stop. Uh, let's go a good twin, bad twin on Amari Cooper. Let's start with the bad since we started with the good last time. Uh, uh, uh. And because I don't want to hear Jason's voice after he just made fun of me, it makes me cry. Uh, Michael, go ahead. Make him cry. All right, just like Derrick Henry, I just want to know how long people are going to support Amari Cooper for when he doesn't live up to his draft value. Obviously, his rookie season, he was great. He was, uh, he was drafted late. He ended up putting up great numbers. Since then... He just keeps getting overdrafted, and people are just wishing upon a star that he becomes the Amari Cooper that they want him to be. <clears throat> Last season, he caught 75 passes for 1,000 yards and seven touchdowns. That's a nice season. I'm not saying Amari Cooper is a bad football player, but once again, he's being drafted in the third round, late second, because people are expecting him to just blow up next season, and it's going to be Amari Cooper season. As always, when it comes down to it with Amari Cooper, we look a little closer at his season last year I mean he had one less reception than Tyler Boyd and Adam Humphreys he had less yards than Tyler Boyd Tyler Boyd again uh less yards than Kenny Galladay OBJ who only played 12 games he had the same amount of touchdowns as Tyler Boyd there you go he was worse than Tyler Boyd last season and Zay Jones had the same amount of touchdowns as him he was solid but his inconsistencies obviously shown were shown again last season he was very up and down with Oakland and then people think he was better with the Cowboys, yes, he was better with the Cowboys. He caught more touchdowns. 
But the inconsistencies continued. He had a 180-yard, two-touchdown game where he had a catch-and-run slant for 80 yards. Catch-and-runs are always difficult to predict. You don't know if that's going to happen again. And then he had a three-catch, 30-yard game. And that's just what Amari Cooper does. It's what he's always done. He's, he, Yes, Dak Prescott is a better quarterback than Derek Carr, in my opinion. But it's still a Zeke-led offense. And Amari Cooper, in games where the Cowboys are leading and aren't playing from behind, he his volume might not be there as much. And I just don't see how Amari Cooper, once again, is being valued the way he is. I think you got to look at Amari Cooper like you used to look at the old-school receivers where um, – in fantasy, running backs used to be the 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 cream of the crop, the prizes, and wide receivers used to be more few and far between because even if you had a number one receiver and he was a great talent, your running back was getting 30 touches, and that's how it was back in the day in the Sean Alexander LT days. So even when you were drafting a wide receiver one, you had to expect duds every once in a while. And I think with Amari Cooper, you just have to expect three for 30 because, like you said, he's just going to get lost in the shuffle some days. Um, Jason. You don't see it that way in terms of these numbers. Tell us what you think Amari Nooper could do. Amari Cooper, good. <laughs> you guys know where that's from? I, I didn't give much reference to it. Good. I, that Jim Carrey? Friends? Friends. Yes, yeah. man. Oh, uh, yeah, no, that's no, right. No. Joey, something good. Meet good. <laughs> Meet yeah. good. Yeah. So Amari Cooper, good. Starting week nine, uh, we'll go from there. He had five games where he saw eight or more targets, three games where he saw seven or less. In the five games where he saw eight or more, he had 7.4 catches, 121 yards, and 1.2 touchdowns per game. Yes. Uh, in the games where he saw seven or less targets, zero touchdowns, 3.67 catches per game, 29 yards per game. So obviously very inconsistent there. But the, I think the key takeaway is that in more than half the games, he saw eight or more targets. So if you put this over the course of a season, that would mean in 10 games he sees eight or more targets. And if you take the numbers he put up over 10 games, that would be 74 catches, 1,200 yards and 12 touchdowns. That's in 10 games. That was the pace he was on when he saw the work. Obviously, it's a little bit uh, exaggerated, right? But the idea here is that if he sees the work, he's going to put up the numbers. Cole Beasley just left. Uh, Amari Cooper's going to have another offseason to meld with Dak Prescott after coming there midseason. If he's able to have 10 games where he sees eight or more targets which isn't unreasonable. He's the main option there after Zeke. Even in those 10 games, he's going to put up, he can put up numbers that make him a wide receiver one. And then there's six games that are just gravy. So looking at last season and extrapolating it to this one, once he went to the Cowboys, he's a wide receiver one. What does Dak Prescott's true throw value look like? Like, where does he rank in the league if you, could, if you looked it up? I can look if that I recall, up. I recall, I think he was slightly above average. Nope. Slightly below, actually. Slightly below average. Uh, very big home road splits, I believe. Okay, so better on better at home. So Dak Prescott was twenty third. Oh, I guess I was wrong. But home was point five two seven. What about the last four games? Point five two seven is high. That puts him at ninth on the season. Wow. So and that's then, a big jump from home and road splits. Because yeah. in ro- in the, on the road, like just from the law of averages, he's going to have to be much lower than yeah. that. Terrible. And then on the road, 0. .312, which is, wait for it, Josh Allen. Wait for it, wait for it. So he was... Josh Allen throwing-wise, by the way. Throwing-wise, yeah. So he was Deshaun Watson at home, Josh Allen on the road. Interesting. Josh Rosen, if you want to go with someone who wasn't hot at the end of and the year. And true throw value does not take into account rushing. No. So people who think Josh yeah. Allen put up QB1 numbers... The weeks he ran for 100 yards, that doesn't, that's not included. <laughs> so if you want to go cheap in quarterbacks next year, 
Grab Dak Prescott, play him when he's at home, and grab someone else cheap to play him when he's on the road. I'm going to go with Jason at home, Michael on the road. Some blue bang, bang, bang. Bad jury. <laughs> so uh, our next ever, one is... You ever get selected for jury duty? Because I, I wouldn't select you. No, I didn't. Uh, the next one is Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook is next up on the docket, the oft-injured but oft-impressive when he plays running back. Um, let's start with Jason. You are going to play good, Twin. Yeah, I'll keep it short and sweet. He was uh, very good last season when he was healthy. He scored at least 10 in basically every game where he wasn't coming off an injury. Uh, in his last five games, he scored 15, 15, 17, 30, and 13. Even in an injury-riddled year, he was a 27th best running back according to PFF. So he can easily be top 20 if he's healthy, has an offseason to get healthy. Uh, not to mention, the Vikings' offensive line was not a group to write home about. They added Josh Klein, not the biggest name in the world. But Mike Zimmer said he's going to check him out, check out the rest of the O-line, maybe shuffle it around a bit. We'd expect them to add a few offensive linemen in the draft. Essentially, what's happening right now is Cook is RB1 on discount because of the injury history. So if you're going to be able, you can grab him uh, for relatively cheap, probably in the second round, and he can put up round one numbers because that's what he's done every time he's healthy. At the back end of last season, he put up almost 20 points a game. So he's an RB1 on a discount, so that's good. I, I'm not going to lie. The more I, I consider Dalvin Cook, taking into account of his injury history without taking that into account, I mean, there's not really much downside. He's gonna get the lion's share of the carries. He's gonna be Latavius the main. Latavius Murray is gone. Latavius Murray is gone. Like he's gonna, he's gonna be. The only problem is, will he be on the field, Michael? Yeah, uh, you can't say much about the bad here for Dalvin Cook because there's not that much to base it off of because he only played 14 games in his first two seasons, which is the problem. The fact that he's uh, going in the first or second round in fancy drafts right now, and he's only played 14 games in two seasons when he has played yes he's been good but he's also been he lost such now Latavius Murray's gone but Dalvin Cook was splitting work with Latavius Murray last season you don't know if Minnesota's going to try to bring in a guy to lessen his workload because they want him to stay healthy for the full season so I'm just I'm not betting on the guy who played 14 games in his first two seasons and I don't think is going to be a bell cow because I think they're going to try to keep him healthy for the entire season rather than just giving him 20 carries a game early on. I'm going to have to side with the good twin on this one. I think Dalvin Cook stays healthy and does his thing. I might be wrong. As I get closer to the season, Man, I think. Move on to I the next one. This is some bullshit. Tyreek Hill. Will he see the field? Will he not? Will he be traded? Um, Michael, you're the good twin. Lead us off. Yeah, uh, this is a weird one because Hill is a terrible human being and might get suspended. But, uh, fantasy-wise, if he is not suspended... He is allegedly a terrible human being. Allegedly, I don't know. He beat, his, shit he beat his girlfriend in college, and he pleaded guilty to that. So yes. he's probably a terrible human. <laughs> uh, just, just speaking facts. I mean, true, true. Uh, but <laughs> fantasy wise, if he's there in the second round, he's an absolute must take in my opinion because his risk is built into his draft value. Last season, he had over sixteen hundred yards, uh, ca- uh, catching and rushing. With 13 touchdowns. That's basically Julio Jones receiving numbers with who had 13 touchdowns? Eric Ebron but had 14 touchdowns last season. I mean, 1,613 you do not find every day. That is easy top five pick usually, except the big peaks and valleys that Tyreek Hill have, has scare some people. Uh, he was very up and down last year. He was either a monster. He had some games outside the top 50, actually. So... But, I mean, if you could get someone of that caliber, 1,613 in the second round, 
I think the risk of the peaks and valleys are already built into that price because of how good he is. So I'm absolutely taking him in the second round. I, I don't think people have to overthink it with Tyreek Hill if he's not suspended. Just just choose him. Jason? So I'm going to take the flip side. He had eight games where he scored 11 or less points. So half the time he was barely wide receiver three. This is why this potential suspension that may be looming is so important because even if he only gets four games, that's two of his boom games out the window. Mm-hmm. That leaves him with only six boom games the rest of the season. The rest of the time, it's going to be very mediocre, and he's not someone you can sit. You can't sit him and say he's going to score two this week. No, you have to have him in your lineup and see him score two this week. And this is probably best-case scenario, four-game suspension. If he gets suspended eight games, that means he's only booming for four games next season because it's become kind of clear that he's going to have a good game, a bad game, stuff like that. might be not be in that order, but he's a boom-bust guy. So if he's going to... If you look at the end of last season, too, he only scored more than 11 points one time in his last four games. So that trend says that his booms aren't even going to be half the game. So let's say he gets suspended four games. Let's say the trend stays a little bit towards the full season and the end of the season, and he has five boom games next season. I don't want your five booms. <laughs> well, you do, but you don't want them at the price you're getting him at. Yeah. I'm going to have to side with Jason on this one. I think I'm that, killing this guy. That just, I don't even think he was listening to us. I was definitely listening. I think just just that that risk factor of him not playing is it's too much. It's built into the price. It's, it's, is in, it? In the second round? Yes. In the second round? If you get 1,600 yards and 13 touchdowns, absolutely. But you're not going to. You are. It, not if he doesn't play. I feel like he'll get suspended. Well, I said the suspension is obviously. This is sans suspension can't just be sans suspension yeah you got you, you got to acknowledge that and turn it into something positive well i'm not drafting terry kill if i'm drafting today probably but if he's not suspended then i'm taking him in a heartbeat you don't want those booms despite being a terrible human this one i'll tell you right now i am um completely biased and yeah. it's going to be towards jay on this yeah. one um mike williams one of my complete lava lovers i love mike williams mr lava lava Hmm. I ten touchdowns is the exact number I predicted in the offseason. Patting myself on the back. Don't worry, guys. I'll make some room for you. Um, he steps into now the, the role that Tyrell, Tyrell Williams was kind of taking from him, and he steps into that guy sharing the number one receiver on the outside, not counting Keenan Allen, who's really getting the number one targets, but coming out of the slot half the time. Um, Mike Williams, Jason, you're the good twin. Yeah. Tell so, people the truth. I had a lot of fun with the truth throw value with this one, but let me get to real quick. He had 66 targets last season and 10 touchdowns. Terrell Williams had 65 targets. So let's assume a third of those goes to Mike Williams. That, which is I think that's being generous, uh, right? Not, not generous. Even, it's being not, conservative. conservative yeah. yeah. So that would put him at 90 targets, and that would put him on pace for 14 touchdowns. That might not be uh, – What's the word I'm looking for? Sustainable. But 90 targets and 10 touchdowns is something that you can kind of bank on if you're thinking about it. Now to the true values. Phillip Rivers was third in true throw value last season. A target from him was the third most valuable target last season. If you look at his score and you look at Josh Allen's score, Phillip Rivers was double. That means for every target from Phillip Rivers, it was worth two targets from Josh Allen. If I told you that a player on the Bills was going to see 180 targets from Josh Allen. You wouldn't give a shit what his name was, what his speed is, what his measurables are. You would draft him. Give me that guy. Right now. That's what true throw value is saying here. 180 targets from Josh Allen last season was equal to 90 targets last season from Phillip Rivers. 
And that's what Mike Williams has lined up to see. I'm taking 90 targets from Phillip Rivers on my team, and I'm going to have a gigantic erection when I'm doing it. <laughs> Sounds like fun. Just being honest. Good. Have fun with that. <laughs> Bad time. Mike the, Williams, the word as we all know. The word had, erection is very funny. Sorry, go ahead. He had a terrible injured first season in the NFL, had 95 yards and zero touchdowns, really didn't do much when he was healthy. Yeah, injured. Last season, he was finally healthy. He went 43 receptions, 664 yards, 10 touchdowns. He was a great red zone weapon for them. I don't think he's going to take the Tyrell Williams role. Tyrell Williams was a field stretcher. Mike Williams isn't really a field stretcher. He's a big guy. He can stretch a field, but he's definitely not a Tyrell Williams speed demon. He averaged a touchdown every 4.3 receptions and every uh, yeah every 4.3 receptions, which is absolutely ridiculous and not projectable to happen again. Hunter Henry is returning, who is likely to steal some red zone work. He's someone who's being taken in the top 80 picks right now as a wide receiver three, which makes him a top seven round draft pick roughly. And I'm just not drafting a guy in the first seven rounds who, one, hardly played his rookie year because of injuries and just he couldn't get on the field. And then two, yes, he had a solid season last season, but you cannot just project another 10 touchdown season. He was very uh, efficient in the red zone. But like I said, Hunter Henry's going back, and you just can't expect someone to catch 10 touchdowns on 43 receptions. That's absolutely insane to project for another year to happen. I, and yes, I know his receptions will probably go up. Yes. But I just, I'm not taking the chance on him. I mean, this early. everyone knows in fantasy, touchdowns are the hardest thing to predict. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's hard to predict with him. I, he's, I think he's being drafted at his ceiling. Again, I think he, he yes, he can end with 800, 900 yards and six, seven touchdowns, but that's a wide receiver three. And that's where he's being drafted. I think that's his ceiling. I, I, more or you less think that's him. his ceiling for next season? Yes. You think nine hundred yards is his ceiling? He's not passing nine hundred. I, I don't know. It's probably, I will make it's that bet with you right now. To say that seven hundred and eight is his floor, and that would make him wide receiver three. I'll, I'll make that bet with you right now. That what he he over nine hundred. I'll make that bet. Let's shake on it. Write that down. Write that in your pants and poke him. I don't know what that means. Um, I'm going with Jason. Duh. Um, here's a guy that Michael has been in love with um, for a long time, Aaron Jones. So we're going to start with Jason, actually, as the bad twin, because Michael's over there writing down our bet. Um, Jason, yep. uh, why do you not believe in Aaron Jones this season? Green Bay Packers running back, by the way. Aaron Jones, let me go there, because I was looking at Kenyon Drake. Um, I think I just gave away someone we're going to do. Oh, well. So the biggest knock on Aaron Jones, and rightfully so, is his playing time. He's good when he plays. He's good when he doesn't. Too bad for him. Matt LaFleur came in from town, from Tennessee, where he played Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis. And the first thing he said when he came is that he's going to use multiple running backs. Never something you want to hear, especially when it's Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones needs touches in order to succeed. Before the bye week, Jones had no games over 11 touches and had one game scoring in double digits. So basically, when he's not getting touches, just like the rest of the fantasy world, he's not scoring. It really just comes down to him seeing touches. And then other factors. PFF had Green Bay ranked as the seventh best offensive line last season. It was a good setup for Jones. If they uh, get worse in that category, it's going to be a little tougher for him. A-Rod wasn't himself last year. This coming season, he's probably going to throw more touchdowns, more passing yards, a little less running work for Aaron Jones. Packers picked up Zadarius and Preston Smith, Adrian Amos. They're going to have a better defense, less opportunities on offense. That's why. Aaron Jones is bad. Um, sure, but they're also bringing in a new offensive coordinator that runs the ball more, so I'm guessing that's one of the reasons why Michael is the good twin. Look, this this was a hard one. 
Yeah, look, Aaron I think Jones. You can tell. I mean, you guys know <laughs> you guys know how I feel about Aaron Jones. Obviously, I've been an Aaron Jones supporter for quite a while. He's dynamic. He's efficient. He's elusive. He's a he's just a very good NFL running back who is just not being given the opportunities for Jamal Williams. I, I just brings back bad memories. In 2017, as a rookie, he was uh he wasn't utilized much. He was injured, and then he just wasn't really given time on the field. In the four games where he was given uh double digit touches, he averaged 87 yards and scored three times in those four games, which is very efficient. In 2018, uh, after the suspension, he was eased in again, which made no sense. He didn't become the lead dog really until after the Week 7 bye. From Week 8 forward, he was the lead dog. He averaged uh, double-digit touchdowns in every game. Despite averaging the double-digit touches, he only got 14 rushes a game, which it's he can get more than that. With that, he averaged 76 rushing yards a game. He did average a touchdown a game. He added at least two receptions. And every single one of those games showing that he could be an efficient pass catcher as well. He was actually one of the highest rated PFF pass blocking backs, even though all Mike McCarthy said was that Jamal Williams is a better pass blocker, so he has to play. My hope is that Matt LaFleur realizes that Aaron Jones is very good, and I think he there's a chance that him and Williams split work, a la Deion Lewis and Derrick Henry last season under Matt LaFleur. And then Matt LaFleur, just like he realized Derrick Henry is the clear option in the second half of the year, he realizes that Aaron Jones is a clear option, and Aaron Jones goes berserk. So Aaron Jones is definitely someone I'm. That would just mean that it's going to be a typical Aaron Jones season where we're just always waiting and waiting and waiting. Uh, I hope not. I mean, it's possible. Another guy who has had a typical season of just waiting and waiting and waiting is our last guy on the list, and that's Kenyon Drake. Pick a side oh, yeah. for Aaron Jones, kid. Um, I gotta side with Jason again, man. I just <laughs> man, I, is, I, is this I, the sweep? It's, it's either gonna, Jason or Ty. It's no, gonna be. One. It's, yeah, Michael got one. It's, I just think it's going to be a split backfield back there. And I, I mean, just. Like I said earlier, you guys know what happened like with the Bucks last season. Like I said. So. With the Bucks? With the bets. Oh. <laughs> well, I already got a bet that I know I'm winning. Um, you already J- lost a bet, too. <laughs> I, yo, it doesn't count. Right Move now. on. Uh, Jason. Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake. You've been in love with Kevin Drake for a long Michael time. Michael has. Michael. Not you either? I thought you too. I, I like him. him. Yeah, him Michael's a Kenny and Drake guy, though. All right, so why don't you start us off, Mike? Yeah, just like Aaron Jones. Look, man, this guy just needs to be given the damn ball. Last season, he was 41st in carries with only 120 and was 14th in receptions for running backs with 53. Somehow he turned that into the overall or RB17. I don't like looking at ending uh, where they end because it's, very, it's not very indicative of how the season went. But to turn... The 41st most carries and the 14th most receptions into running back 17 is very impressive in my opinion. <sighs> Frank Gore is gone. Adam Gase is gone. And this is a guy who ended with 1,000 total yards and 9 touchdowns last season. So you would think he would be drafted similarly to how he was drafted last season when we were expecting the same type of thing where we were hoping Kenny and Drake would take the next step where he was being drafted between rounds 3 and 4. Now... He's in an even better situation. Yes, Kalen Blage is there, but there's no more Frank Gore, and there's no more Adam Gase. There's a chance Kenyon Drake could be the bell cow back. And he's being uh, drafted as the 30th running back right now off the board. That's where his value really lies. And outside, like, the top 65 players. you gotta you got to take him at that point. Yeah, if you're in the sixth round, how do you not take Kenyon Drake? Yeah. He's absolutely worth the risk there, especially... With the fact of, like, he's just a very good runner. He, he was number one overall in PFF elusive rating, or I believe, a couple years ago, too. I mean, he's just a very good running back. He he just needs to get the ball. I hope 
he finally does get the ball. So I'm just I'm putting my uh, my eggs in the Kenyon Drake basket again, especially if his ADP is the fifth or sixth round. The issue with Kenyon Drake is work, obviously, but also if you look last season, what he did. Rushing at 535 yards and four touchdowns. Receiving at 477 yards and five touchdowns. Basically, same numbers. Um, receiving more points if you play in a PPR or a half PPR league. I actually did some number crunching myself for veterans minimum, and Kenyon Drake was the second leading receiver on the team and had the second most receiving touchdowns. So he was basically the second receiver on the team, and he was only third in targets. Yeah. And Ryan Tannehill actually was very high in true throw value. Probably a lot to do with Kenyon Drake making him look good. But you also have to think that he, they were set up in that position. So, new coach coming in. First of all, we don't know who his guy is, right? We've seen this happen a lot of times. Matt Nagy goes to Chicago. He has Jordan Howard, a great running back. Jordan Howard's not his guy. Jordan Howard's now out the door. They're already looking to trade him. So, Brian Flores is going to come in. Who's his guy? Is it the 25-year-old Drake? Or the 23-year-old Balazs. The age isn't that much of a difference, but if you're looking towards the future, if you think you're going to be good in three years, Drake's going to be 28, Balazs is going to be 26. Who would you rather put your trust in at that point? I think Kalen Balazs is someone that they're very high on in the organization. I've heard a lot of good things. Also, Ryan Fitzpatrick is their quarterback. Ryan Fitzpatrick throws the ball to wide receivers, not running backs. Big deal when half your production came from catching the ball. So if he's not going to see all the rushing yards, he's not really going to get as many targets. And we don't really know how the head coach feels about him at the moment. It's a very risky sixth-round pick. I mean, it's true. Hmm. Who do I go with? I'm going to go with Michael. You just feel bad for him. I it's think okay. that nah, I think that the PPR and the receiving takes it away. I think if you're in a half-point PPR and a full-point full PPR league, then all of a sudden his ADP goes a lot of, a lot higher. And he's coming from he, Brian Flores is now his head coach. You don't know what Brian Flores' offense looks like. But if it looks anything like a Patriots offense, you would imagine that it's a lot of people out of the backfield. That's true. Um, but that's it for our first ever Good Twin, Bad Twin. We are going to be doing more Good Twin, Bad Twins in the future. But for right now, we are going to bring you to our special guest, Scott Fish. Again, Woo! remember, this is on the Real Recognized Real Hotline. Real, the Real Recognized Real Hotline is basically, hey, we are going to look out for you. We know that you can't just get your fantasy advice from us. No one in the fantasy world gets their fantasy advice from one source. If you do, then you shouldn't because you should be weighing options from a lot of people's opinions and forming your own opinion based on you know, all the other people's opinions. Right? For us, we look at the numbers. We form our opinions that way, but that's because we've been doing this for a long time. So when we want you to get the best opinions out there, and Scott Fish is not only a great um Fantasy analyst, he's also a great person. So without any further ado, uh, the Real Recognize Real Hotline presents Scott Fish. We are back, and we are welcoming in Scott Fish on the Real Recognize Real pot, uh, Hotline, uh, one of the nicest guys in the entire fantasy world. He is the creator of the Scott Fish Bowl, the creator of Fantasy Cares, which helped raise thousands of dollars last year for Toys for Tots. He runs Safe Leagues and Fan Ball. He's the co-host of the Fantasy Football Weekly, a radio show on KFAN. 10.03 in Minnesota. He is also the co-host of Fanball Weekly on Sirius XM Radio. Scott Fish, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me. All of that makes me sound very, very busy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you are a busy guy. That's definitely, uh, we see you on Twitter all the time, how many people are always tweeting at you and all this uh, fantasy cares and SFB8 stuff. You must be always having to work on that. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, 
it's uh, it's a labor of love, though. I mean, we, we do a lot of great things for the kids, and uh, I, I love my job. I love that my, my full-time job, the, the thing I have to do every day is uh, spend 8, 10, 12 hours doing fancy football stuff. There's, there's no better job in the world, I think. Yeah, we definitely have to agree with that one. That's what we're out here trying to do, too. And we want to thank you so much for uh, coming on with us. Uh, before we get into any of the fantasy-related questions where everyone wants to hear your fantasy expertise, we this is the Real Recognize Real po- uh, hotline, and people know that we we get, get only guests that can be trusted with fantasy advice, so they're going to get your trusty fantasy advice in a second. But first, Michael has a couple questions about um, your work with Fantasy Cares and all the other stuff you do with leaks. Hey, Scott. Uh, yeah, so if you could just, just maybe uh, tell us a little bit about how you started the Scott Fishbowl, where that idea came from, and how you decided Toys for Tots was a charity you'd want to give back to and just things of that sort. Oh, sure. Well, uh, it was, I used to run a, a fantasy site called FF Oasis uh, back, back in the days where I wasn't full-time in the industry. <laughs> When you like, you guys know how it is. You're you're running, you're doing your hobby on the side, and you, you absolutely love it, and you want to make it a career. Uh, I ran a, a small site called FF Oasis, and we created a, a like a listener league, a reader league. And I decided I wanted to wanted to, to be huge, and I wanted to invite uh, analysts from other sites to play in it. Um, for example, like Mike Clay, who's now with ESPN, he was in it the first year, and there's Jeff Hazley from Football Guys. A bunch, a bunch of analysts got in and played it. Uh, it was, uh, I believe, 96 teams that first year, and uh, since then, it's just, it's just continued to steamroll and grow because when these analysts are playing in it, and other people want to play with those analysts, and if uh, analysts are playing in it. Other other experts in the industry see that and they're like, I want to play too. And all of a sudden, <laughs> it goes from 96 teams to uh, I believe we're going to have 1080 this year, Whoa. and over 10,000 over yeah, and over 10,000 people will sign up. I think we're around 9,500 people signed up for it this year. You know, uh, we're actually a part of the people who signed up. If you want to <laughs> keep us in mind when you're deciding who's going to be in it, <laughs> I'll, de- I'll definitely do that. Um, and on, on the other side, the, the Toys for Tots part, uh, about four or five years ago, I, I decided I wanted to add a charity element to really everything I did in, in the fantasy industry. I wanted to make sure that uh, I realized that I was starting to get a little bit of a platform. And, and I'm a firm believer, if you have a, if you have a platform, you, you should do some good with it. And even if you don't have a platform, the fantasy industry is a great place to do some good. I, I like to preach to people if you're in a fantasy league, consider giving one of your entry fees to charity. I mean, your league's not going to miss it. Maybe the winner of the league decides, who, you know, what charity gets gets that small amount of money or the winner or the league votes on what they're playing for this year. But I, I think it's a great idea to get every fantasy league involved because there are so many fantasy leagues out there. And if every single one got involved with, with charity and giving back, we, we could do a ton of good out there. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I'm actually in the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational, which I'm sure you're uh, aware of because they also donate money to Fantasy Cares, raised a couple thousand dollars, yep. I believe. So it's it's really awesome yep. to see the fantasy community coming together for such a good cause. Yes, it's, it's very, very awesome. I, I, love, I love what it stands for. I love what SFB stands for, just getting the community together, uh, doing something good, and also getting to know each other. That's uh, when you play in it, you you realize you'll you'll 
meet and talk to and, and know these other analysts, and I'm sure you've realized it in that one, that you, you get to you get to just like, I guess, rub elbows with all these other people, and it really connects the community, which is a beautiful thing. Yeah, we ran a listener league for the first time last year, and we've run two listener leagues so far, and we have we've we've built relationships with each one of the the people in the league, and we didn't expect to do that, and it's been an awesome thing. I think that that's something that we'll definitely champion. Everyone should give at least one of the like if you're playing for a hundred dollars a person, give a hundred dollars to charity at the end of the year. Why not, right? I think we'll champion yeah, that hundred exactly. percent. Uh, speaking of champions, yeah. though. Uh, we were talking earlier in the in this episode on some fantasy football stuff, and Michael and Jason are twins, if you didn't know, and they were playing good twin, bad twin, kind of giving a side of this player could be really good next season or this player could be really terrible uh, next season. And we just wanted to get your imp- opinion on some of these guys. One guy that is really dividing the fantasy community right now is Derrick Henry. Uh, Michael said all the reasons why he does not believe in Derrick Henry – Jason said all the bl- reasons that he does believe in Derrick Henry. Are you a believer in Derrick Henry? I have been a long-time Derrick Henry supporter, but I'm, I'm hesitant on it. Uh, I like that Deion Lewis saw less and less snaps as uh, the season went on. I don't think Deion Lewis topped 55 yards in the last seven or eight games. Uh, it started to become Derrick Henry's show, show at the end of the season. Uh, the coaching staff has talked about really pushing Derrick Henry this year. And they started to bolster their offensive line even more, which which I also like. Uh, <laughs> we'll see how that quarterback situation pans out, signing Tannehill and uh, Mariota being injury-prone. But I, I guess I'd be on board with Derrick Henry. I, I'm not loving his price, though. I, I just don't love where he keeps going in drafts. Uh, at that point, I, I'm, I'm usually not drafting him, I guess. Where would he have to drop for you to consider drafting him? Uh, he, he would Oh, boy. Uh, probably... Seventh-ish round. I, I would rather have him more in the in the seventh seventh round than fifth or sixth. Uh, some, sometimes he can make it there, but man, I, I generally like to grab some. Uh, the, our sleeper wide receivers are really going in the range that that Derrick Henry is going right now, and I just never find myself with Derrick Henry. Another guy I want to ask you about is uh, Juju Smith Schuster. With AB gone, I'm on record saying that. Juju is going to go 1,610 this season. I think he's a, a shoo-in top seven wide receiver this year. Uh, how do you feel about Juju? Well, I, like, I, <laughs> I, I think Juju is already playing pretty close to his ceiling. I absolutely love Juju, but uh, slot receivers are just not touchdown scores. Ten, ten touchdowns out of a slot receiver. I mean, to get, he had seven each of the last two years, which is really good for a slot receiver. And that took some really, really big 99-yard plays and 70-yard plays. <laughs> you know, that's, oof. that's that's really, really optimistic. Uh, I I love Juju, but I think 1,610 is extremely optimistic. I'd be more in the uh, 1,307, 1,308, 1,408, something like that. Just, just right where he was last year, maybe a little step above. Hey, Scott, Jason here. Uh, so when I was... Debating against Juju, something I mentioned was Big Ben's inflated stats last year. If you look at the three years previously, he was not that uh, as great as he was last season. So, actually, it was 77 less fantasy points. So, with 77 less fantasy points being the norm, probably, for Ben Roethlisberger, do you take that into consideration when weighing Juju, or is it more just the player? Uh, 
I haven't really thought about Ben being uh, Ben being the the key as much as I felt that with uh, Antonio Brown gone, Juju's going to see a little bit more coverage, and with Le'Veon Bell gone. I, I think just the offense is not going to be this prolific scoring offense that it's been used to in the past, and I think that's that's more of what scares me about Juju. And I, I'm I'm with you though. I feel like because the scoring offense is going to go down, Ben's numbers are going to continue to drop. Uh, another guy that we wanted to ask you about who is kind of in that same boat is Dalvin Cook. Um, he's a guy that we haven't seen much from, but when we do see him, he's phenomenal. Um, what do you think oh, about yeah. what do you think about Dalvin Cook this season? <laughs> this is an unfair question because I'm I might be a little bit biased here, but I <laughs> I think Dalvin Cook should be drafted in the first round. With, with oh yeah, with <laughs> that's that Minnesota in you I, coming out. Exactly. I'm sorry <laughs> when you lose Latavius Murray and you don't go after any free agent running backs. Um, Twitter like to explode when a little bit and make fun when. Uh, the Vikings re-signed Amir Abdullah, but the truth is we lost our kick returner, punt returner, Marcus Sherrill, for the Saints, and that's what Amir Abdullah was doing for us last year. He didn't even have a single carry for the Vikings last year. He's our kick returner, punt returner. It's, it's going to be all the Dalvin show, and if you look at his numbers, uh, uh, when he was in the game, when he was fully healthy last year, 85% of the snaps, 90% of the snaps, 87% of the snaps. He, had, he just was always on the field. You take away Latavius Murray, who's second in, in red zone or uh, inside the five attempts over the last two years. You take all that away and give it to Dalvin. This could be a monster year for Dalvin Cook. How injury averse would you consider yourself? Because one thing you didn't mention uh, in the pros was the fact that he's injured a lot. Uh, are you just going to yep. ignore that and take him? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm very much. Uh, I'm sure you know who uh, the legend football diehard is uh, Bob Harris and Liz Loza of Yahoo. They, they like to use a term that I also like to use, which is injury agnostic. I don't believe <laughs> you can walk into... I, yeah, I don't believe you can walk into your draft and just assume injury and and uh, just... I don't think you can draft with the complete fear of injury. There, there are a few players that you can to a small degree, but I, I generally try not to care about injury too much when I'm drafting. All right, uh, so the next player is someone who has taken up a lot of airtime in the Brodo studio, and that's Amari Cooper. Uh, we often were not fans of his while he was on the Raiders. A lot of it had to do with Derek Carr. Uh, we created a stat known as true target value, uh, which measures the value of a target, quantifies it, and gives it a value. And you could see that Derek Carr's targets were not nearly worth as much as people would assume they were worth, so it made Amari Cooper's targets not as valuable as people seem to think. So now he goes to Dallas. He puts up a few amazing games. He puts up a few duds. Where are you on Amari Cooper? Yeah, I, th- I think I'm about the same place. Uh, I'm a little higher on him than I was in Oakland. I mean, we're talking about Jack Prescott, who has been a top 10-12 uh, quarterback every year he's been in the league so far. And, and now he's he's got uh, arguably a little bit better offense with uh, – Randall Cobb there. He's got a little bit better weapons uh, to throw to. Um, I think that offense is going to be is, is going to be able to move the ball. Uh, so I tend to like Cooper a little bit more than he was on the Raiders. But you're right. He was she, she, she was even inconsistent when he was with Dallas last year. He had a lot of dud games. He had some huge games, but he had some dud games as well. 
I think that's just who Amari Cooper is going to be. His route running is exceptional, but he does disappear. And that, that is very much a Zeke run offense. And there will be games where it is Zeke run and Amari just doesn't get his. Um, it's something you're just going to have to deal with with Cooper. So where are you, where are you considering... Is he a wide receiver two for you next year, or is he more in the wide receiver three kind of talk? Well, he's he's currently well in dynasty. He's going, you know, is early twenties, twenty one, twenty two overall. In redraft, he's going about thirty overall, which uh, I, I feel is really fair. You, you're generally drafting him as a high end wide receiver two. There, I feel like a wide receiver two is fair. If you somehow get as your wide receiver three, you should be ecstatic. But wide receiver two is completely fair for, for him, I think. Uh, one more guy that we want to talk to you about here, Scott, is uh, Kenyon Drake of the Dolphins. Now that Adam Gase is gone, now that Frank Gore is gone, Kenyon Drake is someone I absolutely love. I've always been a fan of his, and I, oh, man, how angry I was getting last season watching Dolphins games. <laughs> and now that Gase is gone, now that uh, Frank Gore is gone, Do you? how do you feel about Drake? Do you think he's able to finally take over this backfield, or do they just bring in another guy and then right back to the – Kenyon Drake splitting carries stuff that we've seen the past two years. Boy, Kenyon Drake, he's a huge winner of free agency, isn't he? Just the Dolphins going after no one and the Dolphins showing that they're kind of in tank mode, which I think also lends to them just running running Drake out there. (laughs) So uh, I'm a a big fan of Drake for this year. His his numbers went on the field. Um, His elusive numbers, his... uh, Force missed tackle numbers, um, just just how much better the, the Dolphins offense ran when he was on the field. I like so much about Kenyon Drake. I'm also a Kalen Balaj fan, so it, it's a little it's a little rough for me. But I, I think this is one of those years where Kenyon Drake could see, especially since he's so good in PPR, he could see some really really good value because he's not going until the the late fifth, early sixth round. Um, man, he, he he's another guy that. If you get him as uh, your RB3, you're probably going to be pretty happy because I feel like 15 to 20 touches a game is, is possible for him. Let me ask you, because Kenyon Drake got a lot of his work in the passing game last season, more at receiving touchdowns yep. than rushing ones. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick's not someone known to check the ball down. Are you a little worried there? That, that is definitely true, but I also feel that he can open, he can open up the field a little bit. Um to, to allow Kenyon Drake to be open in the middle because they, they're going to fear that average depth uh, of Ryan Fitzpatrick's passes, his deep passes. I feel like having guys like Kenny Stills and Devontae Parker warrant that, that they'll have to cover deep enough that Kenyon Drake can uh, find himself open in the middle, middle of the field just enough. And it doesn't take Fitzpatrick, he's not going to throw him to him seven times a game, but three or four catches with Kenyon Drake's elusiveness, uh, I think he can make payoff. All right, Scott, thank you for the insight on those players. Before we let you go, we want to just ask, uh, let you inform the people about uh, Fanball and Safe Leagues and more about what those products introduce because we have a lot of avid fantasy football listeners here who may be interested in those services. Oh, yeah. Well, Fanball is our DFS product. They don't quite work on that quite as much, uh, but uh, we have DFS. We have DFS AAS even. American Alliance of Football. Wow. <laughs> you can play lots of, lots of DFS sports on there. Uh, Safe Leagues is the commissioner service that I run. 
it's it's basically dynasty leagues, redraft leagues that commission them for you, so you don't have to worry about that. You don't have to worry about you, you know your money's secure. You know that uh, you're in leagues with good owners, and and we have a lot of uh, a lot of leagues opening and a lot of you know orphan teams to, that people can just pick up a, a team if they don't want to you know start up a draft. They just want to take a team and rebuild it or whatever. Um, also, we have basketball drafts. BB10s.com. They used to be called NFL Tens. Uh, I was uh, I was running those for a while as well. You just go in, you draft. BB10s.com. You go in and draft, and uh, that's it. You just draft the team, and there's different payout options for those. I mean, it sounds it sounds intriguing. That's for sure. Scott Fish, thank you so much. Tell the people where they can find you on the the good old World Wide Web. Sure, you can find me on Twitter at scottfish24. Um, you can find me <laughs> lots of places, I guess. <laughs> if you're if you have Curious XM, you can find me Saturday mornings eight to ten a.m. That's my Curious XM show, Fanball Weekly. Um, yeah, lots of places you can find me. All right, and if you guys are out there and you want to succeed in your fantasy championship, uh, in fantasy leagues, and win some championships, of course you're listening to us, so you want to do that. Uh, this is another guy to definitely get your advice from. Scott Fish, thank you so much for joining us on the Real Recognize Real Hotline. Thanks a lot, guys. This was a lot of fun. Thanks a lot, Scott. Thanks, Scott. Well, thank you, Scott, for joining us. That was an excellent interview. I had a lot of fun doing that. Good guy. Yeah, yeah great guy. Just, just fun to talk to. Yeah. And you know what? I think we got to start the, the movement, man. Everyone should have one league fee of their 12-guy league or their 10-guy league Donate that to charity. Maybe the charity of the choice of the winner. Unless donate to Fantasy Cares. Yeah, you could don't you could donate to a lot of places, man. It, it, there's a lot of charities out there. Um, it's only one. If you're in a 12 team league, it's only one twelfth of the pot. Not that right. big a deal. Right. Exactly. And if you could like split it, the, I know our league does first place, second place, third place. Like take 33 away from first place, 33 second away from second place, 30. Or just cut a third place. We don't award third place. Who awards third place? We don't no bronze medals. Third place. We yes, award sure. first we place in the regular season. That's right. You're right. We do. We go first I place in the regular season. By third place. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of. It's kind of like third place. Um. Anyway, Jason, where can they find you? At Jason Petrop. Michael, where can they find you? At Mike underscore Petrop. At Brodo Dugout for baseball info. Uh, baseball is coming around the corner, people, and I'm telling you right now, I split a fantasy team with Michael every single year. Michael's the best fantasy baseball player in the world. Let me hop in and in say you can find our baseball stuff at the dugout section, but Michael, where else can they find you? All right. I was in a fantasy pros article as a featured expert for a player to target on the a hitter to take to target on the waiver wire who's less than twenty five percent owned and a pitcher to target on the waiver wire who's less than twenty five percent owned. Michael, you gotta start putting like fantasy pros own Michael Petropolis on. So I'm shit. not gonna tell you who those players are because you're gonna have to go read about it. Ooh, Michael's keeping us in suspense. So get the Brodo dugout. Brandon um, Woodruff. He's a fantasy pro. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why one person, a nice little <laughs> There's two people totally oh, just gave away half my bad i was trying to <laughs> entice them you know bad enticement you're right you were being a little mean about it you need to entice them a little bit oh, right. i love them you should also keep your pants up oh shit they're down again <laughs> get it no. no get it what do you keep your belt up with i mean uh, just, uh, just holy mess- moly i just messed it up <laughs> <laughs> anyway they can you can find belt. me brandon belt oh. brandon belt we got it there it goes it's it's, it's what's your belt <laughs> um, <laughs> um, fantasypros.com is where you can find that you can find me at Tim Petrop on all social media outlets but only if you're feeling real 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 frisky whoa what's good 
Guys, first guy. That's you guys ruined I'm just, that I'm one. I'm thinking about Brandon Belt. He has to stay healthy and, and make me look like a genius. <laughs> um, you can find us at BrotoFantasy.com or BrotoFF.com. Remember, everything we have is there, including original articles, original videos, original content, um, and true throw value and true target values. Original the stats. original stat that Jason invented that we use to make our predictions, and so far, so good in in terms of that. Uh, Jason's, uh, what is it? Algorithm that he made up in his head, um, that quantifies how much a target is worth. Go check that out on brotofantasy.com. I promise the resource that you will tell your, actually, you know what? You know why it's hard to spread as a fantasy podcast? No one wants to tell their friends. Yeah, you can't tell your friends, but you'll tell your friends that I have a secret stat that you can't have and it's helping me win this fantasy championship. So go check it out. True throw value, true target value, TTV, um, Go check it out, brotofantasy.com. With that, we bid you adieu until next week. Remember, in April, we start bi-weekly episodes, so we're going to be out (laughs) Not bi-weekly. Bi-weekly would imply that it's once every two weeks. You're right. (laughs) My bad. We start two episodes a week, the opposite of bi-weekly. Two episodes a week. We're ramping it up going into the regular season like we do in the regular season. Um, The rookies are coming soon. Uh, We're going to be doing some mock drafts for you guys, so stay tuned. We are going to be going in head first like we always do. But until that time, we must bid you adieu. See you soon. Adieu. Peace. Bars.